Hey, welcome back to the Gospel Rant. Uh, we left off uh, listening to Paul in Romans 8, 16 and following. Um, remember, he is, he is wrestling with this feeling of shame that comes from Romans 7 and blasts into Romans 8. And he has been talking about how the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're children of God, Romans 8, 16. Well, and we asked the question, why do we need testimony, right? I mean, we believe it. So what's the deal? Well, there's part of my brain that doesn't believe it, that believes it's too good to be true, that that believes I can mess it up, that believes I have to keep up my part of the bargain. But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. God's taken care of that, right? So um, uh, let, let's pick up where, where we left off. In other words, Paul gets it. It's, it's the day-to-day reality, right? For real Christians, you and me, who live in this real world, that we will screw up. We will. We will not love and love God and love our neighbor like we should every day. So with our messed up brains, we're going to fall short. And in any other relationship, things would be you know, downgraded until we got our act together. We'd be put on kind of a probation, implicit or explicit, a timeout. But not this one. When Romans 7 hits us, or when we hit Romans 7, of course we're going to feel guilt and shame. Right? We did something wrong. We knew better. We're going to feel guilt and shame. We're going to feel like any other relationship would be disappointments. And there's going to be part of your brain and my brain, a little or a lot, who will not dare to run to God. And here it is to look up into his eyes, his measuring gaze. It's too risky. What if he turns away? What if all we see in his eyes are disgust, right? And, and we all feel it or fear it unless we're screaming narcissists or psychopaths, uh, right? Welcome if you are. So Paul's highlighting something that he has learned and feels very, very important because it's at the central, it's the hub of Romans. When he fails, and he will, and feels like a failure and a disappointment to God, which he will and does, he leans upon, he requires the power, he needs a miracle from the Holy Spirit in his inner being to make him feel the love of God towards him that Jesus purchased on his behalf 2,000 years ago. It's an ongoing miracle of God. It's a good one. It's a big deal. And it requires the power of God, not something that Paul or we do more of. I mean, it's not like we can make this happen. We don't have the muscle group. We are dependent upon the Holy Spirit's miracle regularly. And the good news is, as Paul, as uh, John Calvin said, this is the secret working of the Spirit. This is what he does. This is the heart of the Spirit. This is his wheelhouse, his passion. Now, come on, can we be honest? We're just not comfortable with such charity, such a magnanimous gift relationships. We jones for conditionality. It's part of the groaning in this fallen world, right? Romans 8.22, a couple verses. Okay, okay, but what do we do to make God love me more so that I don't have to feel shame, so that I don't have to feel this fear that he's going to reject me and isolate me, right? I can at least do that. Just give me a list. That's the introduction to the microaggressor that I want to bring up. We're so bent upon conditionality in relationships that are riddled with conditionality, right? We're so comfortable with that, comfortable with conditions, right? Like the slave again to fear of verse 15, that we will find it 
all over the text, right? And exegetes and teachers and pastors find it everywhere in Romans 8, and it's not there. So here is the NIV translation, and it's a legitimate translation, technically speaking, grammatically speaking, exegetically speaking, but not the best translation at all in context, which is what I want to show you. But it feels like Paul is reversing his position on this amazing relationship miracle. Or to put it another way, it gives that critical voice in my head some credence. And um, he, he points to the interpretation, the typical interpretation of Romans eight seventeen, and he hammers me with it, right? He weaponizes Romans eight seventeen. Listen how we do this. Here it is, Romans eight seventeen. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Right? I mean, you get it. You see where, where, where your head goes with this, right? Don't let it, but you see it. So here's what it appears to be saying based upon the NIV and other translations. Paul seems to be saying our experience of sonship, including God's all the time love, Jesus purchased, adoration and pride in us depends, is a function of our willingness to share in Jesus' suffering. That's dangerous conditionality. And But I've heard sermon after sermon preached unpacking what sharing and sufferings means. It can mean sacrifice, discipline, missions, deprivation, repentance, giving more, praying more, on and on. And since it's presented conditionally, right, so we need to share in Jesus' suffering, then we are children of God. Well, since it's presented conditionally, the beast voice in my head grabs that and says, if I'm not sharing his sufferings enough, whatever that means, I do not deserve to share in his glory. So Paul is changing his mind? Or do we go back and read the verse, the early verses conditionally? And, and that's what happens. It's, it's just a nasty spiral down. And I say, God forbid. Is there a way to look at Romans 8.17 and translate it differently? Well, yes, of course. So if in the first part of 17, uh, which is a mark of conditioned broadly, so the question to translators, is it a straight, if this is true, or can it be legitimately translated since this is true? Because both reflect conditionality. Those are two different things, right? If this is true or since this is true. Since, if, if it's true, we're children, or since this is true, we're children. If it's the latter, we can read this since we are children, right? It's so different, which is what Paul has been saying. And Paul suggesting that the Holy Spirit is working hard to get us to see experience, to get, to feel that we are God's beloved children. We're in good standing, all because of Jesus, even when we mess up. There's another if uh, in the second statement, if indeed we share in his sufferings, and this is a different Greek word, hyper, it's related, used six times in the New Testament, all by Paul, three in Romans, that's 330, 8-9, and 8-17. All right, so here's Romans 329 and 330. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since, that's the word, hyper, there is only one God, right? Literally, you could translate it if there is only one God, but in context, sense fits. 
who will justify the circumcised by faith, and so on. In Romans 8, 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Right? If, conditionality, that's hyper, if. But depending upon the context, you could translate it since. Since there is only one God, or since the Spirit of God lives in you. It's different, right? So Romans 8, 9 would be, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. And matter of fact, that's what Paul is trying to mean. It's so much clearer. So back to eight seventeen, uh, Could I and Iper both mean since? I think so. I think it fits the context so much better than if, and it keeps us away from the conditionality. But again, you know, we're, we're like I said, we're jonesing for conditionality. We look for it in the text. Well, here's the verse translated with, with all this in mind. And tell me if this doesn't fit Paul's argument better. Now, now since we are children and heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, since we indeed suffer together, we also share his glory. See, Paul says, you're in. You're a child of God in good standing, whether you feel it or not. You're an heir right now, whether you feel it or not. You're sharing in both Jesus' suffering and glory because this is what children of God experience, because they're children of God. So there's no conditions for you to work harder, to suffer more, to be better children. There's no greater sonship, greater love from God. You know, you don't get more glory. It's already yours. You also you already share in it. But believe me, commentators, teachers, preachers are going to find it in the passage because ah, that's what we do. Um, and and what happens? The consequences that cause causes well-meaning Christians in Romans seven to pull back from the Father and shame and right. It, here is the question so often asked by the critical voice in Christians' head, based upon how this verse is translated. Am I suffering enough? Well, if you're not feeling the love of God that Jesus purchased for you 2,000 years ago, ask the Spirit in your inner being, this Romans, I mean, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, ask the Spirit to make you feel it. Be aware that you have the beast voice in your brain that's accusing you, that's screaming loud and often, but he's accusing you of Romans 7. And by the way, the beast is right. We have fallen short, but it's not very invested in Romans 8. You and I are the beloved and adored failures. We need an ongoing daily miracle to get it. By the way, a shameless plug for the online experiential path that we created for all Christians who are stuck in Romans 7, and I think that's all of us. And by the way, all of us who have been reading 817 like it's conditional, God's love is conditional upon me suffering enough. So, and if that is you, if you're willing to admit it, go to www.the-dance.org right now and go through it. Go through the dance. It's simple. It's designed to give you baby steps from Romans 7 to Romans 8. You can do it. You're not alone. It takes a couple hours. Uh, No worries. Any smart device, there's a charge, but it's a fraction of a counseling visit. Satisfaction fully guaranteed. We mean it. And you will learn so much and pick up so many helpful techniques uh, to 
to hammer the beast voice in your head. Uh, the dance is evidence-based, and we give you an entrance survey and an exit survey, and we can immediately send you where there has been Romans 8 movement. Many people have already been helped, and we just launched it in late 2020. All right, let me wrap this up. Here is the simple, uncluttered gospel dance version. It's a gospel presentation to that critical beast voice in your head that's skilled, oh my goodness, so skilled at telling you that you're a Romans 7 failure and that Romans 8 is not for you. Yes, it is. And we recommend that you say it twice a day aloud. You're witnessing to the critical beast voice. Try it for 30 days and let us know if it has made a difference. And you'll find your and, and you find yourself living out of Romans 8 more. So here it is. Jesus follower, strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago. Not only are you now extended an invitation to the great dance of the Trinity, the truth is that it will never go on apart from you. Your invitation is not based upon anything that you do or don't do. It is permanent. You aren't in a probationary membership. You're in an honored participant in the dance. You don't have to be a great dancer. You don't have to know the steps. The triune God loves you with all the love in the universe, as much as the Father loves the Son and the Spirit, as much as the Son and Spirit love the Father. God can't love you any more or any less. Now, I get it. Often you may worry that you do not belong to heaven or that you do not belong in the dance. Not so. Any discomfort is largely the result of the lies of the nasty shame voice in your head. Well, how do you experience the present dance more? How can you begin to hear its choruses and feel its rhythms more now? Simple. Good news. There is something you can do and are invited to do. You can daily ask the spirit inside of you to sweep you up into the adoring arms of the Trinity. Ask spirit, make me feel your love and the love of the Father and Son as I am right now. Make me feel at home in the dance. Just ask. Ask again later today. Ask tomorrow. Make it a spiritual habit. And dance, beloved. We'll see you in the next podcast in both Gospel Rant and Haven't Heard That Before. Take heart, child of God. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone. My name is Carly Mercouillier. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the Therapy and Theology podcast, where we explore popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. I want to invite you to join me every Thursday as we fearlessly name the complexities of our reality, grow in the awareness of who we are, and rediscover the power and purpose of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. Subscribe today at lifeaudio.com.